0: Welcome to Away from the Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get
1: away from the keyboard.
0: Welcome to Away from the Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining me is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are you doing today, Cecil? Doing pretty good, Richie. What's going on with you? Man, we just had a crazy NBA Finals, man. It just finished, and as crazy as this sounds, Cleveland beat Golden State.
1: I don't want to talk about it.
0: <laughs> it's, it's insane, isn't it? I mean, they, they, were,
1: they were down 3-1. I mean, it was, it was over, right? Right? You know, as as much as I was really rooting for Golden State to win... I definitely gotta give it to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers like they made history coming back three one down in the finals. hasn't been done in like God knows how long um you know they they deserve that win i mean i des- I definitely can't take it away from him
0: yeah but if if you want to go back i mean i I think it's it, it's as much as Cleveland's win as it is Golden State's loss. They looked really bad in two of those games in the last four minutes and thirty seconds they didn't score i mean and this was a team that was scoring all year i mean they could score from anywhere on the floor and it's almost like they just gave up but i mean
1: they're 73 and 9 they're up three games to one you only need to win one more game i don't know if they gave up i don't know if they just ran out of breath you know i mean the seven game series in the finals is that's that's it takes a lot out of you you know it it
0: it does but you know what 72 and 10 that has a nice ring to it. That, that's true.
1: That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's
0: true. <laughs> so the Bulls are still the best team ever because they actually finished it. They actually won it. That's all it is for me, man, as the Bulls are still the best.
1: Yep. No, I definitely won't complain with that. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to Mr. Newt Porter. Newt is the CEO and co-founder of CareerScore a career engagement platform helping professionals accelerate their careers. The spark for starting the company began while attending the University of Florida where he obtained his bachelor's degree in economics and master's degree in finance. Newt is a Miami native, a data nerd, a fitness enthusiast, and a private pilot. Follow him on Twitter at Newt's Porter.
0: This episode is recorded on April 28th, 2016. And now our conversation with Newt Porter. And now away from the keyboard's feature conversation.
1: So, so first of all, thank you very much for being on the show. What I'd really like for you to start off with is, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what is it exactly that you do?
2: So I'm probably one of the few that are actually born and raised in Miami. Grew up just off of Kendall went to high school down here, went to University of Florida for college, studied economics and finance, economics undergrad, and uh, got a master's in finance. And that's actually uh, what kind of started my story and what I'm doing today. So I was really interested in a lot of the theory behind economics and particularly so labor economics, got connected with a buddy of mine who I actually knew growing up, down here in Miami. He studied economics and math and saw a really interesting, you know, opportunity to take that theoretical background and and try and build something. We're a little bit bored with what we were learning in the classroom and we wanted to actually try and take what we were learning there and build something from it. And we started building a, a score around professionals. And as we started to dig into a lot of bureau labor statistics data And getting to the thick of it, we saw a really interesting opportunity to take that information and try and help people figure out what they were doing in their careers. And him and I became the go-to resources in our friend circle to help others figure out what types of industries they should look at, what types of positions they should apply for, and how they should generally try and make the transition from their academic career to their professional one. And it's grown from them, but that was the inception behind it. And that's a little bit of my background on how I got started.
1: Let's talk about the career score a little bit. And, and again, how you, you kind of came up with this idea to, to kind of put this together for professionals. Where did this inspiration really come from?
2: When we first started, it was really trying to build a way to, to basically tell whether someone was BSing or not. My co-founder and I were were very much so economics nerds, and um, we had a, a, a third co-founder who had a couple of startups in Europe and was essentially trying to do due diligence on them, wanted to know whether... People who were interested in working with him, investors who were interested in coming into his companies, were telling the truth, wasn't familiar with some of the lesser-known companies, lesser-known universities in the area, and wanted a quick way to essentially filter through a lot of the traffic he was coming. So he approached my co-founder, Taylor, and I, who were in the thick of this economic study and my financial modeling skill set and his mathematical background kind of came to a head in establishing the first iterations of the score. And it became apparent very quickly on as we started building this and and released a few very early iterations on it that there was a lot of power to looking at employment trends and looking at the types of data we were and trying to help people figure out what they were going to do. And and perhaps it was just you know, him and I being in that position and seeing a lot of our friends trying to figure it out. But that was the the initial spark.
1: So when you talk about actually looking for some of this information, it actually reminds me of, you know, the Code for America that do some of the the civic hacking type stuff, right? Like, I wouldn't even know where to begin to look for some of this information that you're talking about. How did you know where to go find this stuff? And you know, is this something that you had to go out and pay for or is this information just freely available for all of us to kind of dig into?
2: Yeah, the uh, the initial very first versions of the score looked at a lot of publicly available information. And, um, you know, now it's a little bit more accessible Bureau of Labor Statistics data, some employment records, um if you go to you know the BLS site, uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, if you look at um, some of the Organization of Economic Research information, there's a lot of very compelling information, and that was the starting point. We've since moved to more dynamic data, but there's a a ton of publicly available information on the BLS, on you know available from the Census, some of which is accessible from API now for some of these civic hacks that is incredibly powerful to, to do good with. And we decided to take it in a direction in trying to help people navigate their careers, but a lot of different applications as well.
1: So now we have this information, and now you're starting to, to put a solution together behind of it. And I remember earlier you said that you you have degrees in business and finance, right? right? So how did you go from, okay, hey, I have this really interesting idea, and now I'm gonna collect this information, but now I need to start to get into the technical side of it, and I need to start coding. And I'm guessing you do. You do write some code, right? I dabble. So how do you go from being against a, a finance and business major to, I, I guess now starting a technology company around some of this um, this public information?
2: To be frank, uh, you know, having the the financial background and coming out of my junior year, I had worked for an investment bank and done some a very deep statistical analysis in Excel, and you got to think of Excel as a a massive matrix. So you could have these massive arrays and and run uh, fairly complex functions within it, if if you know what you're talking about, and you start to incorporate VBA. So initially, we had very massive Excel models, hundreds of thousands of rows, columns, building these, you know, essentially a, a statistical index formulating the score. It worked for a little bit, but we realized we needed to uh, take it up a notch. So we started to take the initial models that were built in Excel within the first five, six months and start coding them up and start filtering in information we were collecting, both from publicly available sources as well as what we were seeing coming out of job postings in the labor market into dynamic systems through SQL.
1: So on the show I think we see a lot of folks that are on the technology side already and are coming into the business side, whether it's through consulting or starting their own companies or what have you. And so you're actually the first person I think we're speaking to that's coming in from the other perspective. Right. Like now I'm the business guy and I'm I'm wanting to get into technology. Maybe could you tell us a little bit about what that what that process was like for you and you know, any lessons that you might have learned or anything at all that you might want to share about that?
2: Most definitely. Um, I think for me initially, it was an incredible challenge coming from that business background. And I had always had a passion for technology and knew I wanted to build the business around compounding passions. I was interested in and leveraging aspects of technology, but jumping into the thick of it and trying to scale a solution and really build the score at the onset was was incredibly challenging and we definitely made a, a number of mistakes early on in, in not truly understanding aspects of back end architecture, front end, um, you know, the entire gamut was a, a little bit of a mystery to us and, and it was incredibly challenging not having that that technical know-how at the onset. You know, in in retrospect I I would have very much so gotten a benefit out of going and teaching myself much of it or or learning from someone or consulting with someone who had done it before. And along the way, I did end up going and taking courses on Code Academy and a number of different resources to teach myself stuff along the way, but not something I had done from the onset.
0: What was that moment like when you... And you finally realize that, hey, this technical, the, the, all the code and all the technical stuff, I don't have the knowledge to do what needs to be done. Can you kind of walk us through that thought process and kind of how you felt and, and how you approached uh, that problem?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, it's, uh, I think it's somewhat scary, to be honest. And I think it's reflective of the entrepreneurial experience. There's a um, there's an African proverb, and it's, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I realized very quickly, and, and somewhat scarily, scarily, as someone who's somewhat independent, that I needed to surround myself with people who complemented my skill sets and who could do things that I couldn't do. And for someone who's intellectually curious, I really wanted to Jump in total immersion and and teach myself every aspect of coding and and I still am and am very much so genuinely curious about uh, many things that I just don't have the bandwidth to jump into, but if I wanted to actually execute on my vision, I recognized that I needed to have all stars around me who already knew how to do it and whose passion aligned with what we were trying to accomplish so so to quickly summarize. It, it was scary, but I think that it's something that you have to recognize in, in building a company and working towards a vision that you can't do everything you need to surround yourself people who complement your skill sets.
1: So kind of on that note, another comment I hear a lot from various companies in South Florida is it's very hard to find quality technical manpower in South Florida. Do you find that's the case? And how is it that you've you know, been able to navigate that situation a little
2: bit? I think it can be challenging if, depending in on what places you're searching for talent. I think that we are somewhat lucky in that we develop technology to help understand technical talent. So we can take any candidates who are out there and plug them into our scoring system and matching technology and, and quickly filter through. Quality?
1: so you're like your own use case like you're dog fooding your solution pretty much
2: well you gotta eat your own dog food right
1: sure of course of course
2: um but i think uh what a lot of people diminish is that there's a ton of very high quality talent coming out of latin america the caribbean and most of our team you know hails from the various places there so our lead developer is from Cuba and was a computer science professor there. Our front-end engineer and UI designer is from Venezuela. Our growth hacker and digital marketer who can code is from Colombia. I do think that in any market it's a challenge to hire quality technical talent, but I think that you need to really have a compelling story and vision for your company and have something that people connect with. And you need to be somewhat thoughtful in the way you go and vet your talent. And that's something that can take time and something, admittedly, we weren't good at in earlier stages of our company, but we've we've grown to do much better.
0: So what are the type of things that, that you do, that you've learned to do in, in vetting out uh, technical talent?
2: Well, I think it depends on what type of talent you're trying to bring on, right? Um, you have to very cleanly understand what your objectives are, as an organization, but you want to understand the person, understand um, if we're talking about a developer, the types of contributions they've made to open source. You want to look at projects they've done, dig into their code, look at their portfolio, move away from some standard metrics that recruiters might try to explore. And ultimately, um, they have to be able to move and execute on the job, but you want to make sure that they jive and connect with your culture or otherwise it won't work especially on a very small team
1: so you mentioned metrics you know the common metrics that recruiters might take a look at so what are some of the other things that you or your solution takes into account when trying to calculate the score
2: the career score looks at someone's experience their education their skill set it looks at it on a relative basis so we'll look at web developers in South Florida relative to one another. So how many years of experience do they have as a web developer? How long have they been using HTML, CSS, JavaScript, various frameworks? How have they been educated? Do they have a computer science degree? Have they gone through WinCode or IronHack? And we kind of mash together all these statistics and a relative basis so people can have a barometer from whether they're an entry-level web developer to an expert. And it kind of gives someone, a, I like to draw on an equivalent between you know, a Fitbit and a heart, resting heart rate, uh, a barometer of where they are in their career relative to people around them. And that can be intimidating, but we see it as something that someone can own and use to improve themselves. And it's just one of the aspects of our career management platform that we believe brings a little bit more of managerial aspect to the career.
1: So let's say I'm company X and I'm looking to hire some 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 people on my team. And I come to career score and I say, Well I need to I need to vet out some of these these resumes that I'm getting. But I need you to tell me a little bit more than Yes or no, good or bad, right? I need a little bit more granular type information. information. Like, so what's some of the stuff that you would provide me as a company that would probably be valuable for me in my hiring process?
2: So first we would ask you what you were looking for and what types of candidates you think are a good fit for that posting based off of what you've seen historically or what you're seeing right now. And then we'll use a set of algorithms and proprietary technology we've developed to find people who are a close fit for that. Beyond your basic stuff and providing a profile, we'll try and look at any activity we've seen either on GitHub or on Stack Overflow and and try and, and give you an understanding of not only how they compare to what you see as a successful hire, but Also, any contributions they're making to open source, how active they are in the community, if they are posting about things on Twitter, if they have a blog, we'll try and collect these resources for you. And ultimately, we don't see ourselves as telling you who you should hire, but rather giving you an intelligent screen of what people are doing, who might be a good fit. But we never want to remove that face-to-face interaction in the interview process. We simply want to help provide transparency to companies as to what people are doing and how active they are in trying to improve themselves, but also to individuals and help them create a feedback loop so they understand how to improve and what they can do to actually step into these jobs.
0: So me being a, a dev or just a regular technologist in technology, how can Career Score help me find my next gig?
2: Coming onto Career Score, you can use our job tab and it'll show you, once you filter through your results, jobs we're pulling from your specific area. So if you're interested in looking at opportunities in South Florida, we can show you ones that are available, and we can show you using our algorithm how good of a fit you are based off of the skills and experience required, and provide recommendations and resources to help you improve that match. Something that Is part of the magic behind our platform and can help people take that tactical next step. But they could also use the career score in a broader stroke to understand what they want to do in their career and how they stack up against the overall market for their good position, whether you're a web developer, a mobile developer, so on and so forth.
0: So when I when I go into Career Score is uh, you know and I've never been on before what uh, what's the steps that uh, I need to do to to kind of get started?
2: So you'll come on and once you create your account, we'll want to build up your initial profile. So we'll look at a lot of traditional information, what you've done previously. So you can upload your resume to initially get the build out, but we'll also ask you for your GitHub for your Twitter profile, things of that nature to build up a a fuller picture of where you are. And that'll help us establish your baseline through your career score and filter through to the job opportunities we can help you find.
1: Assuming I'm not mistaken, right? So today you guys are really focusing more so on software professionals and software development professionals, right? But I'm guessing the information that you're able to take into your system is really... You know, you could apply that to any type of field or industry, right?
2: Correct. So we're focused in the technical space right now, but very much so focused on developers. So right now we're supporting web developers, mobile, so Android and iOS developers, and we're starting to get organic interest in various positions in the periphery of tech growth marketers, data analysts, data scientists, and we're beginning to support those as well. But we do foresee ourselves as being a platform that can not only cater to people within the technical realm, but people in a broader spectrum of careers.
1: So one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, again, with, within regard to your company is, so you guys are a part of the, the Venture Hive incubation program so to speak right so what is it like being a part of that and like what do you actually get out of being a part of that that system
2: sure so we have been in venture Hive for just over two years now and we're somewhat of a unique case because we came in and we don't fit the the verticals for venture Hive. there are a number of areas that they try to focus in and their accelerator FinTech, hospitality, creative industries, healthcare and and we're a data analytics company. But Susan, you know, saw my co-founder and I and she saw that we were both from Miami and had a, a very clear vision of where we wanted to take our company and the value we wanted to create. Um, and we've grown tremendously since we've been in there. When we first came into Venture Hive, we had semblances of a, a product. We built an MVP. We got initial traction, started to to scale, and ultimately um, got to where we are today. and And we're very happy with the progress we have made. It's, I would say, somewhat distinct from from other communities. Uh, it's very much so. Um, an emphasis on uh, on results, so to speak. The mentorship we've gotten at various stages in our company lifecycle has been incredibly valuable. So we can speak with T.V. Weinrich, who was involved very early on with Open English about our strategy financing operations, or we can talk with a normal mentor like Juan Damia with Intelgnos about our data strategy, which is incredibly valuable as, as a, a data company. So I think the formal mentorship has been incredibly valuable, but it's also very nice being around companies of all different stages, and especially as a a first-time entrepreneur being to go and talk to people who've done it two or three times, whether they're building mobile applications, web applications focused on video, fintech. There's incredible cross-pollination to be had, and operational expertise that allows you to shave months and months off of organizational efficiency that I don't think you could get in just any space.
1: So we're about, what, like four months into 2016. Like, what are some of the things that you're really looking forward to for the rest of this year?
2: I'm really looking forward to, from a company perspective, helping a lot of code school graduates take that next step. And we're working with code schools down here in Miami. We're working with some Atlanta. We're starting to talk with some in a few other cities and, helping a lot of junior developers figure out what they're doing or people who are interested in the technology realm figure out how to step into those initial positions, as well as find a way to connect thought leaders like yourselves to juniors and and help them provide some guidance and things that you've learned along the way. Definitely things that I'm very excited about in, in 2016 on the horizon for career score as well as some you know very nerdy and cool stuff we're doing on the technology front with our scoring and our matching technology which i'll save you both uh, a little bit of the you know
1: the gory details
2: (laughs) yeah exactly from a you know broader tech horizon i'm i'm really excited to see what plays out with a lot of the buzz around bots curious to see interesting applications of artificial intelligence, particularly so on the machine learning side. I think that there's a lot of power in machine learning, but a lot of misunderstanding as well. And how are people going to use particularly so supervised machine learning to build intelligent applications and something that we're working through on career score? I think there's a lot more to be done there. I'm curious to see what people come up with and and creative, cool, curious things that you, I, Cecil will be able to use. Personally, you know, I just, I want to continue to have fun and grow. I think, um, you know, every time I take a step back, I I realize the the cool things I'm doing with my company and I want to continue to do that. And and one of the the things I enjoy most about being an entrepreneur and, and growing my business is somewhat forced learning and that I, look back at what I was doing two, three months ago, and it's a completely different set of skills for the most part. So at at one point here, I was jumping into Photoshop in my evenings and early hours in the morning and designing a completely new interface. At another point, I was jumping into MailChimp and email marketing. At another point, I was jumping into a little bit of HTML and CSS. So I think that I look forward to learning new skill sets moving forward and, and figuring out what uh, new pages and new chapters I can turn.
1: You know what would be pretty interesting, I think? Like, I can imagine opening up the, the LinkedIn app and somewhere on there it'll show me my career score. Or even That's, vice versa. I think that'll be that'll be a pretty interesting integration.
2: We have uh, something in the R&D pipeline right now, which actually
1: should Ooh. be used
2: in the, the next couple of weeks, which is... Uh, a Chrome extension that overlays on LinkedIn and will show you anyone's career score on LinkedIn as you browse.
1: That is very cool. Nice. Yeah. Ah. See. No. That that definitely sounds very cool.
2: Yep. Working on a uh, extensibility into uh, to job boards as well to help people understand as they're browsing for jobs how they fit instantly.
1: Yeah. Like in the world of. The cloud quote unquote right like everything is a service or api and like you know the way to the way going forward is integrations man right? you know building the bonds between you know these different services and, and seeing what we could get out of it
2: and we we see ourselves somewhat as a you know we're an analytics company we're very much so focused on the core of our score the core of our matching technology and how we can analyze different data sets, synthesize it to ultimately simplify, you know, the career process, career management, job search process for our users. So whenever we have the opportunity to extend that out into other sources and, and pull in these different sets of data, we think ultimately we're making the world better and, and ultimately helping our users. So sitting on top of, of job boards, sitting on top of networks and data sets like LinkedIn and us being ultimately the arbiter and curator for our users.
1: So so what do you do when you're away from the keyboard?
2: I do a number of things. Work out, typically in the morning, uh, whether that's before work or on a weekend. I'll hit the water, uh, kayaking. Nice to uh, hit sunrise on a Sunday morning and, and just kind of enjoy the calmness of the moment. From time to time, hit the air. I'm a private pilot, so I'll try and fly over the Everglades. Sensing somewhat of a theme here and, and that kind of calmness and, you know, grounding yourself in nature. Somewhat ironic because I'll be in the air there. Yeah, I, I think that generally that's uh, those are the things that I go to. Obviously, I'll, you know, I'll head out with friends and, you know, grab a drink. Maybe I'll play pool or, you know, do that with my colleagues, take the time to you know, go out and enjoy the water and being in Miami or spend time to catch up with people you haven't seen in a while. I will say, though, that I am somewhat of a data nerd. So when I work out, I track all my metrics and KPIs and all of that. But, you know, maybe that's just me.
1: You know, to me, you sound like a guy that really you work hard during the day and you enjoy coming home or whenever you're on vacation, just doing nothing. And then just kind of just enjoying the moment and enjoying the you know the serenity of quietness
2: <laughs> yeah i am uh i guess i'm I'm somewhat of an old soul um in that regard i I do meditate from time to time, but I find meditation in uh, my workouts or and uh playing some Xbox from time to time.
1: Oh, you're an xboxer
2: i I am from from time to time, a little halo here and again.
1: Okay, okay.
2: Not as not as much as I used to indulge, but you know, it's I think it's important to, you know, clear your mind. I I find as a, you know, an entrepreneur that I am always connected, but sometimes you need to let things marinate and kind of process in parallel to doing other things.
1: Yeah, I think that that pretty much goes all around. I cannot tell you the last time i actually played a game on my xbox it's it's right now at least for the past two months or so it's really just been a glorified netflix machine
2: yeah i i could uh i could say the same there's been a but there's been to be sure there's been a lot of quality content on netflix so yeah you know house of cards and you know game of thrones just came back into the mix so
1: oh i need to go watch that thank you for reminding me i didn't, I didn't. <laughs> that's
2: what i'm here for i know. appreciate it
1: We'd like to thank you for being a guest on the show. It's great to have an opportunity to chat with him. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Also, remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AFTK podcast and on Twitter at AFTK podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Cecil Phillip and Richie at JARIS. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S.
0: You can subscribe to the show via the website or on SoundCloud or on iTunes. If you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to the newsletter where you get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Wave the Keyboard.
1: Next on Away from the Keyboard, we'll have Xamarin developer evangelist Mr. James Montmago Can I subscribe, and I'm like, I'm like Heather, I'm like, I don't understand, I'm like, I can't get the Drake album. I don't see the Drake album. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I get,
0: it. I'm like, Drake told me one week. I was like, that's all I gotta wait. Um, and I was so confused. Now I know I say this a lot where this is a good episode right and you can't miss this one but this is a really good episode and you can't miss the next one
1: it was a lot of fun it was definitely a lot of fun we had a great time chatting with James and and just recording this And it's going to be a great cut to make man I'm looking forward to it
0: oh man it it is yeah soup's on come back next week you're going to want this one see you next week peace want to thank you for listening to away from the keyboard as a reminder we will have new episodes each and every week you can interact with us on twitter at aftk podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com hasta luego
1: Yep, I definitely won't complain with that. So, who are we talking to today? Um, I don't know, because I don't have the page up. I'll I'll (laughs) tell you. Start, shared with me. That's what I wanted. Okay, there we go. (laughs) Okay, so today we're talking to Mr. Newt Porter. You can follow me on Twitter at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S.
0: You can can subscribe.
1: You can subscribe. You can subscribe. You can subscribe. (laughs) What's up with you, dude? (laughs) Say the damn thing.
0: (laughs) You can subscribe to the show via the website or on SoundCloud or on iTunes.